Welcome to Mad Dogs and Englishmen. And a while back, we said, we promised, we complained about it, that we weren't going to talk about 2016. And we're not really going to talk about 2016 today, but there's sort of an element of it that we probably need to talk about, and that's the question of Rand Paul. It's been in the news a lot recently, uh, leading the poll at CPAC, uh, people talking about, you know, is he really a viable candidate in 2016? And I don't really have any opinion on that that I want to share exactly right now on that election because you don't even know who his opponent's going to be and all the rest of it. And all sorts of things could happen between now and then. But I think that it brings up a subject that is very interesting to both of us, which is, you know, how libertarian is the American electorate really? And does Rand Paul being, uh, you know, someone who leans rather strongly toward the libertarian side of the Republican uh, coalition. Does that help him? Does that hurt him? And is that something that's really going to be resonating with people in 2016? What do you think, Charlie? Well, I think that there is a libertarian moment of sorts. I'm not sure how long it will last, and I think that different people are coming at it for different reasons. I think there's probably a more holistic libertarian moment when it comes to foreign policy and that it's been a way in which people who are more conservative have been able to say I'm not a neocon without disavowing the con part of that. I think that Republicans who are worried that they're not going to win elections and are maybe changing their mind on gay marriage or maybe trying to find a way around the gay marriage question have picked up the libertarian mantle so that they can say I want the government out completely I'm a libertarian and I think when it comes to drugs there's probably a pro-marijuana movement that some conservatives are picking up for cynical reasons some of them are actually picking up the country certainly seems to be more picking it up and people think that they're libertarians on that question and related to that, not just marijuana and drugs themselves, but sentencing reform and prison reform yeah, and, and, and that, that whole thing. Now, I will be convinced that there is a libertarian moment that actually means something in the country and not just a few pocket issues that people have become more classically liberal, in my sense, on when I see people saying that they're in favor of deregulation and a smaller government in general. And the problem here, the challenge, and I say this as someone who would deeply love everyone to become more libertarian, but the challenge here is that it's quite easy to get a younger conservative movement next to a normally American liberal and progressive movement agreeing on gay marriage of sorts and agreeing on marijuana and then say well look it's a libertarian moment and also America happens to be going through one of its less interventionist phases so we must be in some new libertarian moment I think that would be premature I think that would be great (laughs) Yeah, you know you look at the polls and stuff and people's self description and you find all these people who say well I'm fiscally conservative and socially liberal and that always gives libertarian types I think false hope because people talk that way, but then you start asking them specific questions, and no, you are not. You are, <laughs> you are neither fiscally conservative nor socially liberal. Um, not that I think of myself as being socially liberal. I think that's um, a misnomer to, to think of that as a, necessarily a 
libertarian idea as such, but that's maybe a different conversation to have. But people say, well, I'm fiscally conservative. But then you ask, well, what do you think about raising the minimum wage? And was it 70%? Yeah, including and a lot of people who say they're conservative. Well, a majority yeah. of Republicans and a majority of self-identified conservatives. You talk about the really hard fiscal conservative stuff, like fixing Medicaid or fixing Social Security, and suddenly all these socially liberal fiscal conservative types are you know, fiscal liberals and social conservatives, uh, they just, they, they, they don't want to touch a thing. And so it's, um, it's something that I think people say because they kind of think it sounds good. And I think people, you know, use the term libertarian often to express kind of a rightish, nonpartisan, non-boob, mm. non-fundamentalist, uh, kind of, kind of view. And not that I have anything against fundamentalists, but I think that, um, a lot of people don't want to be perceived that way. In fact, there's polling that suggests that's the strongest prejudice in American politics is self-identified uh, secular people versus uh, people they regard as, as fundamentalists. It's a it's a nastier prejudice than uh, you know Southern whites against blacks or Catholics against Jews or anything else. So I, I think that libertarian idea appeals to that kind of uh, well secular tendency. And also, uh, in my experience as a young person, in inverted commas, in Manhattan and in the East Coast, people on the left like it and let people get away with it when they use libertarian to basically mean Republican. It's a way almost of reinforcing their democratic brand. If you walk into a party, now I've never cared about this, firstly because I'm not actually a Republican, I am pretty much libertarian, but also because I wouldn't care anyway, because um, of what I do for a living. But I've noticed this, if somebody says, I'm a libertarian, and then they say, and I believe A, B, C, D, and E, then the room is fine with it. People are fine with it. Now, if someone says, I'm a Republican, and they list exactly the same yes. five positions, then there's a sort of, ooh. And I have a, I have a feeling that that's because an awful lot of uh, progressives might not say that they're staunch Democrats, but they really, really dislike Republicans. And so when somebody disavows it, even if they hold all of the same positions then it actually makes them feel pretty good about themselves. Uh, it's always fascinated me that, is that people very quickly say, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a libertarian. You know, they're not. <laughs> right. Yeah, the word Republican uh, is, is not in very good odor. But say you're, you know, you're Rand Paul looking at 2016 or you're Republicans looking at 2014 or 2016 and you're looking to obviously build a bigger coalition. I mean, there are essentially two ways for a Republican to build um, you know, a winning coalition. That's either add in the middle or add on the right. And there, there you know, there's a plausible case to be made for, for either approach. Uh, if you look at, uh, you know, the, the 2010 congressional elections, it wasn't about being moderate. Uh, it wasn't about attracting, uh, you know, people who um, had sort of liberalish or, or more moderate ideas. It was about the fact that there were a lot of really angry conservatives and they all came out and voted and it was a bloodbath uh, for the other side. Mm -hmm. So if your politics are essentially libertarian, I think that complicates it, you know, especially in things like foreign policy. And as much as I like Rand Paul, as much as I'm a fan of him, I think that, you know, this Ukraine episode has been, been just terrible for him because he sounded just so non-plausible and he's not going to have much to say that's consistent with his own views and values. It's going to be very inspiring to a lot of traditional conservatives and certainly nothing that's going to say, well, I'm going to come out and vote for Rand Paul because I like him on foreign policy. I mean, you might build some from the middle that way, some of the you know anti-war people and anti-intervention people. But, you know, we tend to think of, uh, you know, fiscally conservative, socially liberal, libertarian kind of Republican position as being 
well, I can get the best of, of both worlds, but in a sense you end up getting the worst of both worlds because you have to make a really hard foreign policy case. You've got to impose, or at least propose, fiscal things are going to be really very painful and difficult. And you also have to walk around this minefield of these so-called social issues, which you know, I think it was Jonah who first wrote, but I definitely agree. It's a stupid term because you know abortion and gay marriage is very different kinds of issues and lots of people don't have congruent or not congruent but associated views on on those things but you know if you are someone who looks at the world like Rand Paul and you've got to go to a Republican electorate and then a general electorate and talk about you know some pretty dovish views on immigration which is going to be really unpopular and uh, some pretty hawkish views on the budget which are also going to be unpopular it's a it's a tough thing to do right and you can end up pleasing nobody I mean if you look at Rand Paul and and also not that I'm running for office but I sometimes think about myself in this scenario I mean suppose that I tried to run for office and I tried to split the difference like you've just said it would be quite difficult at the end of the day and it will be for Rand Paul because Rand Paul will say well I can appeal to some of the people who might think of themselves as on the left on the so-called social well can he he's pro-life and a lot of libertarians are and even if he were to say well gay marriage fine he's going at some point to say but you know it's not in the constitution (laughs) he's going at some point to say something like well uh, it's an issue for the state and that doesn't really satisfy people when they're really really in favor of it because they prioritize or he's going to say i don't favor using civil rights laws to force bakers to right. cater gay weddings. Right. And so, you know, I find myself uh, in a difficult situation on that one because I am in favor of gay marriage insofar as I think that the individual states have the right to redefine marriage if they want and that I'm fine with that. But I don't think anyone should be forced to provide business services to people they don't want to. I don't think it has anything to do with the Constitution and nothing to do with the Supreme Court at the federal level. I don't think that it is... I mean, I think marriage equality, for example, is a nonsense term. Um, I just think that it is okay for a society, if it wants to, to redefine what marriage means, and the best way to do that is at the local level. Is that a winning message to the left? (laughs) Yeah, you and I don't have precisely the same views on on marriage, but I think that you and I would both be happy to see in the in the famous phrase, a gay couple using an assault weapon to defend its marijuana farm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to play no. in uh, a lot of traditional Republican areas. Right. Or a lot of traditional Democratic areas. No, because, because you know, the, me or Rand Paul, we run for office and we say we can attract these guys on the left, sorry, which is where, where I started and I got a little bit carried away. But um, the Democrat in the race will just say, well, I'm really in favor of gay marriage and here are all the things I voted for. And... So who's going to really go for it? And then as you say, what do you offer? You offer difficult fiscal choices? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's tough. And I think that what this really points to more than anything else is the importance of candidates, you know, candidates as people as opposed to, you know, platforms and ideological agendas. I mean, ideas matter and all that. But um, if it were really about policy, you know, we'd be having a lot of podcasts about President Romney. Uh, because, I mean, Obama was just objectively a bad president in his first term. There's no, no way around it. But people looked at Mitt Romney and they said, nah, not that guy. You know. Now, maybe 2012 wasn't the year to run a Wall Street Mormon gazillionaire uh, consultant who's sort of stiff uh, against Barack Obama, but it really is about personality. And, uh, 
This may sound mean to say, but I've spent a lot of time in, in this particular world. The, the libertarian world is not full of great personalities for the most part. Uh, you know, it's a very wonkish, nerdy people who've spent a lot of time reading Mises and uh, or God help us, Ayn Rand. And um, well, and the nice and the nice thing not about the charming them, people. No, and the nice thing about them, but also the electorally catastrophic thing about them, is in politics, libertarians tend to be very honest. Yeah, they tend to just say. Oh yeah, no, I think that person should die on the street. <laughs> and that's maybe Rand Paul's advantage, that he may be the uh, the most charming and uh, politically savvy right. libertarian candidate in a long time, which makes him the tallest building in Wichita. <laughs> True.